Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Man, oh, Manischewitz, we got lots to talk about. Uh, The media doesn't really understand what took place at the White House today. I happen to be there in person, uh, listening to what the president had to say and the prime minister of Israel had to say about this plan. It's an excellent plan. It's an excellent plan for a number of reasons, and I'll explain that during the course of the program. But it's something that deserves serious attention. The Democrats are trashing it already. Abbas who's a terrorist, called a moderate by our media. He says a thousand no's to it. Keep something in mind with Abbas. Abbas is like a mobster. He has complete control, complete control over Fatah and the areas other than um, the Gaza Strip when it comes to the Palestinians. His family is rich. He's got uh, consigliaries who control various aspects of the economy. They have rampant unemployment and poverty. They teach terrorism and Jew hatred to their kids in nursery schools. And so freedom, economic opportunity, and job creation is a complete loser when you're a uh, tyrant with an iron fist because then the people turn on you and so while there's some concessions to the Palestinians what the media are missing is that there are requirements that the Palestinian Authority must meet before anything kicks in they have to recognize Israel as a Jewish state they have to demilitarize the Gaza Strip They have to completely reject terrorism, and so forth and so on, which they may not be capable of, and in the past have not been capable of. In the meantime, there are a number of aspects that are strongly in favor of Israel and its security and its historic map. Again, I'll get into this in more detail in the course of the program. This should be the number one issue today. Potential peace in the Middle East, a brilliant plan, a brilliant plan, developed over several years by the President of the United States and his team. But before we get there, Fox News is reporting that three Republican senators, Collins, Murkowski, and Romney, are insisting on witnesses, and particularly John Bolton. One more Republican jumps in that direction, 
then Schumer has his majority. Schiff has his majority. This is why you despise so much about the modern Republican Party. You watch the Republicans in the House, they did their job. They fought tooth and nail to a man and a woman. No matter their geography, no matter their re-election chances, no matter whether they were hardcore conservatives or moderates or even liberals. They saw injustice, they saw tyranny, and they stood together. In the Senate, it's pretty much everyone for him or herself. When it comes to Susan Collins, she likes being a gadfly, so she can go back to Maine and show her independence. It's not about independence, it's about the Constitution. Murkowski of Alaska, the same thing. Murkowski inherited her seat from her father. And of course, Mitt Romney became well-known because of his father. And it turns out he is a chip off the old block. Because Mitt Romney's father did everything he could to undermine and sabotage the Barry Goldwater campaign. And he and others, Nelson Rockefeller, Bill Scranton, did exactly that. Handicapped, kneecapped Barry Goldwater, who was already going into an uphill campaign as a result of the horrific assassination of John Kennedy and people not wanting to change parties or presidents very much under those circumstances. McConnell says he doesn't have the votes to block witnesses. So now we have the three, Collins, Murkowski, and Romney. And of course, this is the tail. It's not even the tail. This is the tip of the tail that wags the dog. So you have Senator Lankford of Oklahoma who proposes, well, I have an idea. Why don't we get the Bolton manuscript and you can read that in a secure setting? Lindsey Graham hops on board. Lindsey's unpredictable. One day he says one thing, the next thing he says another. Everybody cheers him on. I don't. Then you have Toomey, Pennsylvania. He has a proposal. The Democrats can call Bolton and the Republicans get to call one witness. Maybe it's Hunter Biden or so forth. The problem is that gives credence to what is an unconstitutional and horrific process that the House unleashed. And it creates precedent. Meanwhile, the Democrats are in the minority and they're making demands. Our four witnesses and no others. Bolton, Mulvaney, so forth. We don't want to hear from Hunter Biden. He's not quote-unquote material. So the Democrats steamroller the House of Representatives with their small majority. And the Republicans with their small majority can't hold three, four, five of their senators. And others try to figure out deals that might appease them. Which, of course, won't appease them. So the debate is over witnesses, not over the Constitution. Now, John Bolton has a, a huge responsibility for this. And I know General Kelly, who I've met on occasion, 
not socially or anything of that sort. I know what he says today, which is really quite amazing. Since I was told that Bolton and Kelly didn't get along that much because Bolton couldn't get clearances, security clearances at the National Security Council, in part as a result of John Kelly's rules. But now apparently, now apparently these men, who you would think would be honorable, I mean, I've known Bolton for decades, and he enlisted me to help him get his job, as well as many, many others. And I, all, all Reaganites who know him, they call him, they say, what the hell is he doing? Like I can interpret it. But it all comes down to a book deal, apparently. And it also comes down to massive egos. General Kelly doesn't like the fact that he was pushed out. And neither does John Bolton. And unfortunately, this is get-even time. But get-even time, General, and get-even time, John, means undermining the Constitution of the United States and empowering the heart of it. And should they take power, our foreign policy, our domestic policy, our future will be very, very dim. Shame on them. Here's the piece at National Review. President Trump's former chief of staff, retired General John Kelly, told a Florida crowd Monday night, Look at that, Mr. Producer. Michelle Obama won another Grammy. What's that, her 20th or 30th? She just shows up and she wins Grammys. Wonder why. President Trump's former chief of staff. He says that uh, if John Bolton says that in his book, I believe John Bolton. That is, uh, he personally witnessed a link, theoretically, quote-unquote, Although, the New York Times has no quotes and uses the word preferred, not factual link. John Bolton says that in his book, I believe John Bolton, Kelly said. First reported in the Sarasota Herald Tribune. John's an honest guy. He's a man of integrity, great character. He always gave the president the unvarnished truth, Kelly said. (laughs) Rich, let me ask you a question. Are you a man of great character if you're taking notes on your boss because you know one day you're going to write a book on the President of the United States when you're his national security advisor? What's amazing about this is I've known John for many, many years. He would be arguing for executive privilege if this wasn't John Bolton, if it was Ernie Grabowski under different circumstances. He would be appalled. He has most of his life recognized things as separation of powers and so forth. But apparently all that goes to hell. What kind of a reputation does he think he's created for himself? The president's going to survive this. He's going to survive this. This is an unconstitutional impeachment. Kelly said Monday he thought witnesses should be called. Retired General Kelly, et tu, what the hell has happened to you? What the hell has happened to both of you? If there are people that can contribute to this, either innocence or guilt, I think they should be heard, Kelly stated. Maybe Kelly doesn't understand what's actually taking place. 
Even John Bolton can't hold the president guilty in any testimony he gives because there was no quid pro quo, General. Don't you understand? The retired Marine general added that some of the conversations seemed to me to be very inappropriate, but I wasn't there. But there are people that were there that ought to be heard from. Did General Kelly say this during the House impeachment inquiry? If he did, when and where, and why wasn't it reported? If General Kelly really believes this, then why didn't he speak out against John Bolton's initial litigation tactic, which was to prevent him from giving testimony to the House Democrat-controlled committees. Why is it that only now General Kelly supports witnesses and testimony? Well, I did before, Mark. Well, then why didn't you say so? In public statements then? Shockingly. Shockingly hypocritical. Quite frankly. And these men know their words have an impact because they know the left-wing media. And they know there's a handful of Republicans in the Senate. And I would ask General Kelly this, and I would ask John Bolton this. You think it's in the best interest of this country to have witnesses, to have a battle in court over executive privilege, while a primary system starts in literally a few weeks? You really think this is in the best interest of the nation, to see this outrageous action in the House carried through, And you don't even know how long this will go on? The division in this nation? Apparently they don't care. Maybe they never cared. It's possible we misjudged them all these years. Apparently so. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Does anybody remember Collins, Romney, or Murkowski publicly demanding that before the House votes on impeachment and sends it to the Senate for a trial, that they must have John Bolton, among others, as witnesses? Do you remember that, Mr. Producer? I don't. Are they not American citizens at a minimum watching what took place in the House? They say they need the information. Well, didn't the House of Representatives need the information? Should the House of Representatives have the benefit of Bolton's testimony if it's so crucial for the Senate to make a decision on impeachment 
which triggers the trial process? You see how absurd this entire debate has become, ladies and gentlemen? Bolton cannot provide any information that counters the fact that there was no quid pro quo. Period. Period. Exclamation mark. Now the media are pushing for witnesses. When they interview Republican senators who resist it, they say, well, don't you want to know what they said? Don't you believe in a trial? This would be the same media that never pressed Adam Schiff to fight for John Bolton or any other of these witnesses. Do you remember Chuck Todd? Do you remember Chuck Todd giving a tongue lashing to Adam Schiff or Gerald Nadler or, for that matter, Romney? Asking them why they're not raising their voices, demanding these witnesses, and demanding they litigate it to the end? Because what changes in the Senate? You're still going to have a potential lengthy litigation, a fight over separation of powers. Executive privilege doesn't stop between the House and the Senate. Whether it's the House or the Senate, the president can still assert executive privilege. Win, lose, or draw has to be litigated. Does it not bother Collins, Murkowski, or Romney at all that they're being set up so the Democrats can take the Senate? I mean, you had a delay of 30 days or so, give or take, by Nancy Pelosi purposely in order to collude on this strategy with Chuck Schumer, who has as his purpose not even to remove the president, but to defeat the president in 2020, to smear the president should he win in 2020, and to take the United States Senate and to hold the House. This isn't about getting to the truth. John Bolton can't get to the truth. Because there wasn't any quid pro quo. Period. There's been no evidence presented in the House all these days and hours. In the, in the uh, House Democrat managers, nothing. There is none. Don't you want to hear what Bolton has to say? No, I could care less what Bolton has to say. Or what General Kelly has to say on behalf of Bolton. Or anybody else whispering down the line. The press pushing hard for witnesses now. But when Nancy Pelosi and Schiff and Nadler refused to call these very same people, the press didn't push at all. They bought their argument that it might take a while to litigate. Now they don't care. Gee, I wonder why. I'll be right back. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. 
Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Let me be uh, as clear as I know how. There is nothing in the New York Times article or anywhere else that states John Bolton has firsthand knowledge or information of a quid pro quo. Treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Nothing. Nothing. And the reason is, there was no quid pro quo, and there is no impeachable offense. It doesn't matter what's in Bolton's manuscript. So the only thing Bolton's testimony could do is give a form, an impeachment trial, for him to voice his disgruntlement. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. And this this is what they want. They want to create a spectacle. And John Bolton handed it to them on a platinum platter. He'll never be viewed the same. And neither will General Kelly. Who gratuitously says, well, I believe John Bolton. Gives a damn what you believe, General. Who cares about your gratuitous comments? I know you're disgruntled. I'm not going to mention the name, but I got a call, Mr. Producer, in America, from a former, very senior official in the Reagan administration. And don't guess, you'll be wrong who said to me, the only reason somebody would do something like this is to hurt the president. To get back at the president. The people who serve at the highest levels of the government, they They give up their ability to speak freely and write freely. They are to work for the president who's working for the country. They are not elected. They may have strong disagreements with the president's policies, and they can quit or they can be fired. But you don't write articles or books that are intended to sabotage the presidency. And I have to say, these idiots who go on TV say, look at these these guys who used to like Bolton and supported Bolton, now they turn on Bolton. These idiots who make comments like that. The President of the United States hired Bolton. Then the President of the United States fired Bolton. Or he resigned. I suppose you could say the same thing about the president. But there are elements of somebody's character, unless they reveal themselves, you just don't know. 
And many of the people who say this are of the same breed. Look at Scarborough. Look how he's flipped. And others I'd like to name, but I'm not allowed to. But if they flip to the left, they're to be honored. This goes to the heart of how we want our government to work. They are destroying all the instrumentalities of representative Republican government. Trying to dislodge a president who's duly elected. And they've been trying to dislodge him from second number one. That's their record. That's their record. You have these people sitting there like Romney, Collins, and Murkowski. Do they not see what's been taking place for the last three years? And they sit there on their high horse and act like John Bolton and his manuscript are going to be the final nail? Now let me tell you something, folks. There's way too much at stake here. Way too much at stake. I would never vote for a Republican who votes for witnesses. Not because Donald Trump is president, but because I believe in the Constitution. If Murkowski votes for witnesses in Alaska, I would never vote for her. She's doing Schumer's bidding, Pelosi's bidding, Schiff's bidding, and the bidding of the anti-constitutionalists. Same with Collins. Let her lose. Same with Romney. He needs a real conservative to challenge him. In the convention process in Utah. This isn't about a fair trial. This isn't about hearing from a witness. It's about sabotage. John Bolton's book is sabotage. General Kelly now is involved in sabotaging. A sitting president. While the left laughs, they think it's great. Chuck Schumer is as dumb as they come, but he's a lucky man because he has Collins, Murkowski, and Romney, among others, on his side. He can count on them. He can count on them. Tell me, Collins, Murkowski, and Romney. I suppose you support the CIA operative, the so-called whistleblower testifying. If you do, why won't you say so? Why don't you speak out? Because they don't. I assume you support the inspector general, whose transcript Schiff won't make public. I assume you support him testifying as a witness. If you do, you haven't said a damn thing about him. Why? How about a material witness, Adam Schiff, who conspired in the shadows? No, that's unheard of, Mark. He's the head house manager. Just to show you, Nancy Pelosi made Adam Schiff the head house manager to rub the Republicans' nose in it, to rub the Senate's nose in it. He's a material witness. But that's okay. With Collins, Murkowski, and Romney. They have their own agendas. Hunter Biden. Can't call Hunter Biden. Why? Because little Dick Durbin says he's not material. What does that mean, not material? So now the House Democrats get to call the shots for the majority Republicans in the Senate? 
Do these damn fools in the Senate know what they look like and sound like? Forget about the press. The press is with the uh, Democrat. We know who they are. Slimeball Chuck Todd. Reprobate Don Lemon. George Stephanopoulos with his cut the throat, cut off. Uh, Jay Sekulow when he's in the middle. And by the way, over there at, at Gateway, they point out that when Pam Bondi was starting her fantastic discussion about Burisma and the Bidens, every television network moved off of it. CNN and MSNBC too. But that doesn't bother Collins and Romney and Murkowski. They really want to adjudicate. They're very impartial. They run on the nonpartisan ticket, you know, when they run for the Senate. These people use the Republican Party to get nominated. They use the Republican Party to get elected. They use the Republican voters and conservative voters to get elected. And they screw us every time. Every time. Notice there's no attention, Mr. Producer, on Joe Manchin in West Virginia. West Virginia is a solidly or a solid Trump state. Why is there no attention given to Joe Manchin? How many interviews has Joe Manchin? Mr. Purdue, have you seen any interviews of Joe Manchin? I haven't. How about this clown in Alabama, the Democrat? Anybody seen interviews of him on the national level? How come there's no pressure on him? Because the media know the weak Republican links, and they know the weak Democrat links, and they're not going to put any pressure on the Democrats because they know Schumer's putting pressure on the Democrats to keep them in line. They'll never question them about their states. What their constituents want. Because that could only help Trump and hurt the Democrats. And I'm so sick and tired of reading from these never Trumpers, these sanctimonious buffoons who go on and on about character. How about their own character? Or how the, the Senate defense team for Trump blew it. Because they're so much smarter in all the impeachment activity they've been involved in. And on and on and on. This thing should have been over. Should have been over a long time ago. So as the country, as Collins goes, so goes the country. As Murkowski goes, so goes the country. As Romney goes, so goes the country. No offense. Collins comes from Maine, Murkowski, Alaska, Romney from Utah. What's that, 12 people? No offense. Because they're good people in all those states. Don't bother me. I know that. But the vast majority of the country that is red, that's conservative that voted for Trump, 63 million people. Collins, Murkowski, and Romney are going to determine the result of the last election and the future election, whether or not we even get to nominate the sitting president of the United States. Because of John Bolton's manuscript, that's an excuse. There's not a damn thing in the New York Times that shows quid pro quo. Nothing. Zero. 
Treason and bribery? Do you know what treason and bribery are? Having, even if he had the discussion that Bolton writes about, as I, as I continue to say, that's treason or bribery or a high crime or misdemeanor? How many times do I have to go over what past presidents have done? Really vile, damn things. Trump's done none of them. None of them. And by the way, John Bolton, Trump has never done what you've done to him. If he has something to say about you, he says it in real time, and he says it publicly, and you can publicly respond to him. I doubt he took notes of his meetings with you in order to write a book about you and General Kelly and all the others. And all the others. History is filled with Rasputins. With modern-day John Dean types. And all the rest. This president seems to attract a lot of them. Because most of the people are people who've been in government for years or even decades. And they demand that this president acquit himself to what they believe should happen. Or how they believe he should manage. They don't understand their staff. Whether you're chief of staff or national security advisor. Your staff. Staff. I can only imagine. What Lyndon Johnson's chief of staff could have written about him. But he didn't. Nothing negative. Notice we know nothing about Barack Obama and his operations. Zero, because he had Valerie Jarrett. Valerie Jarrett would have taken a bullet for Obama. John Bolt? No. It's embarrassing. We'll be right back. Mark in. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. You have a lot of influence, and I try to laser focus that influence. That's why, as soon as this New York Times piece came out, You saw me tweeting and posting on Facebook a significant number of comments, which I think has helped helped stiffen up some of these Republicans who are absolutely in panic mode 
and some of these commentators who are absolutely in panic mode. There's no reason to be in panic mode. The president didn't do anything wrong. And the point I've been making since that morning and posted, that even if everything Bolton says is true, so what? It doesn't matter. And interestingly, and I don't know how long this will hold up, once the Democrat mob gets a hold of her, headline Los Angeles Times. Dianne Feinstein leads toward acquitting Trump. Acquitting Trump as his defense team ends impeachment arguments. Nine months left to go, the people should judge. We are a republic. We are based on the will of the people. The people should judge, Feinstein said, after the president's team finished a three-day presentation. That was my view, and it's still my view. Now, she didn't indicate how she'd vote with witnesses and all the rest. She said, what changed my opinion as this went on is a realization that impeachment isn't about one offense. It's really about the character and ability and physical and mental fitness of the individual to serve the people, not themselves. But she said, of course, we're not finished. Well, they'll be on her case. How come Romney can't speak like this, Mr. Producer? How come Collins can't talk like this? Or Murkowski? Incredible. Where's Manchin? Where's the clown from Alabama? The Democrat. We don't know. Because nobody asked them. Pressure's only one way. When the House says no witnesses, the media is great. When the Senate says no witnesses, the media is on the attack. You want to know what the media think? Listen to the leading Democrats. Because they're one and the same. They have the same mentality. Now, I want to talk about this incredible historic event that took place at the White House today, and I was there. And it's very, very important. It's monumental. And already the media are attacking the Democrats. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is an Israel-hating Marxist. That's what he is. Why do you think Talib supports him, and Omar supports him, and Ayak supports him? Because he's a Marxist. And by the way, the polls show him leading in Iowa, leading in California. You even have some nitwits, code pink Republicans, who think he's kind of cool on a number of issues. But we'll address this whole issue next hour, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Let me get to this really brilliant peace deal. In a moment, the media have it completely wrong. I was listening to the top of the hour network news. These people are stupid. And the guy asks, the news guy, they don't address right to return. Right to return, ladies and gentlemen, means that any Palestinian who claims to have a right to return to Israel and get their quote-unquote land back can get it. So in other words, the elimination of Israel. We have a news person making this claim. I have a better idea. How about the Jewish right to return throughout the region? 
How many Jews are left in Iraq and Syria? How many Jews are left in Persia, a.k.a. Iran and Lebanon? How many Jews are left in Jordan and Egypt? How about their right to return? And while I'm at it, how about the Christians' right to return? Christianity was born in the Middle East, too. What about their right to return in the Palestinian territories and the rest of the region? So stupid. Anyway, there's this idiot senator, and there's so many of them from Connecticut. What is his name? Forget his name. Chris something or other. Murphy. And he's everywhere. And he's dumb as a doorknob. And the only thing he's ever done in his life is run for office. And he asked the same question as all the other dunderheads ask. Or statement. There hasn't been a single impeachment trial without a witness. Isn't that precious, ladies and gentlemen? Considering the House violated every tradition and custom of any impeachment inquiry of a president or even a judge? So let me answer this idiot. Tell me, Senator Murphy, how many impeachment witnesses that the Republicans wanted in the House were called? None. Except those that overlap with the Democrats. That's the first time that's ever happened in an impeachment inquiry. Did you know that, Senator? Tell me something else, Senator. How many times has the party that controlled the House not fought for certain witnesses that the same party in the Senate, even in the minority, now demands? That is, they didn't call somebody like Bolton in the House, didn't press their case, Ran out of time, don't you know? And in the Senate, they demand it. How many times has that happened in American history? Never. Never. Don't buy this crap. These talking points from the dunderheads. What's going on here is a coup. I've called it a silent coup from day one. And then others have picked it up. That's exactly what it is. Dressed up as a constitutional process. (coughs) Now, oh, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey's all over the map. Poor guy. He runs scared, and he's trying to cut deals, and he doesn't know what to do, and I I just, I I can't deal with him anymore. So I was at the White House today for a historic event. Historic event. You know, this president doesn't get credit for the magnificent achievements that he has. You don't even have to agree with all of them. But how can you doubt them? How can you doubt them? And it gets all clouded up and all the static. And then who do they give attention? Talib, the anti-Semite. Talib! Talib says, wow, this is a deal between an impeached president and an indicted prime minister. And Abbas, a terrorist thug. A terrorist thug. But the media love Talib, so they promote her. She's a bigot. And Omar, they love Omar. She's a bigot. They love AOC. She's a bigot. See, certain bigots the media like. They pretend Trump supporters are bigots, but we have real, live, flesh and blood bigots. And they quote them. And they quote Abbas, a real, live, terrorist mobster. By the way, you understand how Abbas works? As I said in the first hour, this guy rules uh, the areas controlled by the Palestinian Authority 
with an iron fist. He divides up the area into regions, little fiefdoms that he hands out to his consigliaries, and family members are extremely wealthy. They control certain industries or businesses. And you cannot go into business, into commerce, without the Abbas family and their friends and allies consenting to it. This is how they control the people. So a huge number of the Palestinian population who aren't in this sort of uh, clique, a huge number of them suffer. Abbas's family, they're not putting on uh, bombs and explosives on their children and sending them anywhere. And so there's certain requirements under this peace deal. Let me go through it briefly with you, and then I want you to hear what the president and the prime minister had to say. And by the way, this Talib is right about two things. It is disgusting that our president has been impeached, and it is disgusting that the prime minister of Israel has been indicted by a hack attorney general in Israel. But still, neither of them are the terrorists that Abbas is, who Talib supports and defends. And by the way, her family is quite wealthy. Her family left back in the Palestinian area. Sure, quite wealthy. Now, this is where they are. President says there's a bold vision for peace. Time for a new approach. And it's very serious, it's realistic, the plan is detailed, the most detailed plan ever presented. It provides a first step. What does it do? Israel has now agreed, it says, to terms for a future Palestinian state. Now I've looked at this, and honestly, it's not really a Palestinian state. They don't get their own military. They don't have an air force. They don't have an army. Um, And also, uh, they allow these areas that the uh, Palestinian Authority controls to be connected through bridges and roads and tunnels. They also receive $50 billion in economic aid improve job creation, improve their economic conditions. They will get a significant chunk of Judea and Samaria. But you have to understand, these are areas A, B, and C, and those chunks are almost exclusively occupied by Palestinians or not occupied at all. Israel has permanent borders that include a significant part of Judea and Samaria, Every single so-called settlement in these areas is considered formally now as legal. And the Israelis are free to expand those settlements as they wish in these areas. Israel have control over the Jordan Valley, which it must have control over. Now this is in addition to the Golan Heights. 100% of Jerusalem will remain under the control 
of the state of Israel. There's a sliver really on the side or the border of East Jerusalem that the Palestinians, the authority will control and they can put a capital there. And the president has said, we'll even put an embassy there. We'll recognize it. But none of these things happen for the Palestinians unless they demilitarize the Gaza Strip, renounce terrorism, recognize the Jewish state of Israel, and put in place a humane justice system, among other things. In other words, if you want your own so-called state, then act like a civil society rather than funding terrorism. Is that so hard? Might be. And what I told you about the Palestinian side of this doesn't kick in for four years. They can negotiate with the Israeli government on, on the specifics, but only, only if they meet these humanitarian standards that I just told you about. And there would be mutual recognition. And this way the Palestinians could realize their aspirations. The problem is Abbas is a, is a terrorist mobster. You understand, if his people feel any level of freedom, economic freedom, freedom that human beings like we have, well, he and his regime will be toppled. So he immediately resists this. He's like, well, we're going to have votes. We're going to have private property rights. We're going to do all these other We can't do that. What will happen? Now, Israel has agreed to a four-year land freeze to secure the possibility of this deal. Jerusalem will stay united and remain the capital of Israel. The, uh, I told you about the land already. The uh, Israeli part with the Israelis will have these secure borders, secure settlements and settlement areas and territories which start to take place immediately. You know, you got to look at it this way. Israel is an advanced democracy dealing with a, a, a really a third world sort of throwback mentality in Abbas. Abbas does not allow his people, let alone Hamas, I haven't even gotten to them. But Abbas does not allow his people to succeed, to prosper, to advance. And they blame it on Israel. They blame it on Israel. In many ways, this is a brilliant plan. The Palestinians get nothing unless they meet these standards of basic civility. Meanwhile, Israel's security is set and recognized by the United States. And Jerusalem's not going anywhere. Here's the president today. Let's begin this. Cut one, go. On Sunday, I delivered to Prime Minister Netanyahu my vision for peace 
prosperity, and a brighter future for the Israelis and Palestinians. This vision for peace is fundamentally different from past proposals. In the past, even the most well-intentioned plans were light on factual details and heavy on conceptual frameworks. By contrast, our plan is 80 pages and is the most detailed proposal ever put forward by far. As I have seen throughout my long career as a dealmaker, complex problems require nuanced, fact-based remedies. That is why our proposal provides precise technical solutions to make Israelis, Palestinians, and the region safer and much more prosperous. My vision presents a win-win opportunity for both sides, a realistic two-state solution that resolves the risk of Palestinian statehood to Israel's security. Now, keep something in mind here. Once again, the Palestinians have an opportunity to embrace civility and humanity. Talking about Abbas and his thugs. But they must give up terrorism. They must demilitarize the Gaza Strip. Jerusalem is going to stay in the hands of Israel, undivided. Not one Israeli home, including so-called settlements. I don't even like that word, but there you go. Will be removed. On the other hand, not one Palestinian home will be removed. Abbas has already denounced it. A thousand times no, he says. Bernie Sanders, an Israel-hating Marxist, has already denounced it. Our Democrat Party is undermining our country, undermining other countries, because it's become so radicalized. The fact that Bernie Sanders is even polling as high as he's polling, number one or two, in California, he's number one right now. In Iowa, number one or two should shock the system. And one of the reasons he's able to do that is because the media doesn't give him the examination that he deserves. He's nothing but an old, red Marxist from Brooklyn. That's all he is. But the Democrat Party apparently is embracing him. I want to tell you about American financing. When you apply for a mortgage, many mortgage companies pre-qualify you based on your creditworthiness, but what comes next makes all the difference to your financial future. That's why I endorse American Financing. This is a company that knows how to treat customers. They don't force you to take out a loan. They get to know you, and they customize a loan program that's going to meet your personal goals and finding the best deal for you. Mortgage rates have fallen so much over the last couple of years, millions of homeowners could benefit by refinancing. And when you choose American Financing... That can mean up to $1,000 in monthly savings, maybe even more. And best of all, you don't have to start your loan term over. You can choose any term you want, and that's going to save you a lot of money on interest. So do yourself a favor. Take advantage of a free mortgage review from American Financing. A 10-minute call is all it takes. 888-900-1828. 888-900-1828. Or go online to AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. a very, very short segment, as I uh, went way too long in the last one. So let me ask this, and we'll continue after the bottom. Let me ask this, this thought off the top of my head, Mr. Bruce. If John Bolton thought that the president had committed treason, bribery, or other high crimes or misdemeanors, or that the president did, in fact, enforce a quid pro quo, why didn't he report it to authorities, Mr. Producer? Why did he go over to the criminal division of the Justice Department or go down the street to the United States Attorney's Office? Or go to the Office of Ethics at the White House and register his complaint? Why didn't he do that? And the answer is because the president didn't do anything wrong. That's why. That's why he didn't do any of those things. All right, more when I return. The Mark Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877-381-3811. You know, the latest trend in skincare is instant results. Introducing the brand new Genesel RH from Chamonix. Genesel RH delivers next-gen retinal anti-aging effects with zero redness or irritation. Plus, the RH complex provides hyaluronic acid, crucial for superior retinal effects. Here's Susan from Toms River, New Jersey. The Genesel RH is a game-changer. Bags under my eyes are history, and it feels so soft and luxurious. I even use it for redness on my left cheek and on my laugh lines. Thank you, Chaminet. Home run. Well, the new Genesel RH is leading the industry once again. It makes bags, puffiness, hyperpigmentation, even redness a thing of the past. And for a limited time, it's free when you order Genesel jawline treatment. And for results in 12 hours or less... The Genesel immediate effects is also free with your order. Just do this. Check it out. There's no risk. 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to genucel.com, genucel.com. Order the jawline treatment now and get the new Genesel RH and the Genesel immediate effects absolutely free. 
Call or go online now. 800-SKIN-604. 800-SKIN-604. Or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. Cut to the president today at the White House and the brilliant peace plan that he has proposed with Israel and the Palestinians. Go. We will form a joint committee with Israel to convert the conceptual map into a more detailed and calibrated rendering so that recognition can be immediately achieved. We will also work to create a contiguous territory within the future Palestinian state for when the conditions for statehood are met, including the firm rejection of terrorism. Under this vision, Jerusalem will remain Israel's undivided, very important, undivided capital. Mm -hmm. Cut three, go. Therefore, it is only reasonable that I have to do a lot for the Palestinians, or it just wouldn't be fair. Now, don't clap for that, okay? But it's true. It wouldn't be fair. I want this deal to be a great deal for the Palestinians. It has to be. Today's agreement is a historic opportunity for the Palestinians to finally achieve an independent state of their very own. After 70 years of little progress, this could be the last opportunity they will ever have. And last for a lot of reasons. We'll never have a team like we have right now. We have a team of people that love the United States, and they love Israel, and they're very smart and very, very committed. Cut four, go. Israel will work closely with a wonderful person, a wonderful man, the King of Jordan, to ensure that the status quo of the Temple Mount is preserved and strong measures are taken to ensure that all Muslims who wish to visit peacefully and pray at the Al-Aqwa Mosque will be able to do so. This is a major statement. This is of major importance. And at the same time, our vision will deliver a massive commercial investment of $50 billion into the new Palestinian state. You have many, many countries that want to partake in this, and uh, many of them are surrounding. They all want this to happen. Virtually every one of them want this to happen. And I think, Bibi, you know that very well. You're going to have tremendous support from your neighbors and beyond your neighbors. Over the next 10 years, if executed well, one million great new Palestinian jobs will be created. Their poverty rate will be cut in half, and their poverty rate is unacceptable now and only getting worse. Their GDP will double and triple, and much-needed hope, joy, opportunity, and prosperity will finally arrive for the Palestinian people. Our vision will end the cycle of Palestinian dependency upon charity and foreign aid, they will be doing phenomenally all by themselves. They are a very, very capable people. And then there was Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu at the White House today. Cut five, go. Since the moment of its birth, Israel has yearned for peace with our Palestinian neighbors and peace with the broader Arab world. For decades, that peace 
has proved elusive. Despite so many well-intentioned plans, one after the other, they failed. Why did they fail? They failed because they did not strike the right balance between Israel's vital security and national interests and the Palestinians' aspirations for self-determination. Too many plans tried to pressure Israel to withdraw from vital territory like the Jordan Valley. But you, Mr. President, you recognized that Israel must have sovereignty in the Jordan Valley and the other and other strategic areas of Judea and Samaria. Rather than pay easy lip service to Israel's security and simply shut your eyes, hope for the best, you recognize that Israel must have sovereignty in places that enable Israel to defend itself by itself. Cut. Six. Go. Mr. President, because of this historic recognition and because I believe your peace plan strikes the right balance where other plans have failed, I've agreed to negotiate peace with the Palestinians on the basis of your peace plan. It's a great plan for Israel. It's a great plan for peace. Frankly, Mr. President, given uh, all that you have already done for Israel, I'm not surprised. You have been the greatest friend that Israel has ever had in the White House. Yes, I guess that's lost on Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler. Chuck Schumer, and now it turns out Diane Feinstein is backtracked. She said the LA Times misunderstood her, that of course she doesn't think somebody who's done what the president has done should be safe in his position. So they got to her. Cut seven, Mr. Producer. This decision will protect Israel's security, ensure Israel's national interests, and leave open the possibility of a political settlement with the Palestinians in the coming years. Mr. President, I hope the Palestinians embrace your vision of peace. Embrace the plan that you and your team and us work so hard to achieve. I hope that they seize the opportunity offered by your sweeping economic plan. I've read it. It takes enormous talent to reject $50 billion worth of investment. I know what that does to an economy. I know what it will do to Palestinian lives. I know what it will do to the youth of the region. I hope that the Palestinians embrace this and build with Israel a future of prosperity and peace. I also hope that our other Arab neighbors embrace your vision and forge a path of reconciliation with Israel that can create for all of us a brilliant future. Mm -hmm. It was a uh, really historic and fascinating moment. And despite what you're hearing from the press and the Palestinians and the Democrats, this is really a brilliant plan. It ensures Israel's security, its control over its holiest sites, Access by Jews, Muslims, and Christians to all the holy sites. 
It is absolutely terrific. If the Palestinians will embrace the civil society, they will benefit immensely as well. No more two-state solution that is really the final solution when it comes to Israel. Is it really too much to ask Abbas to denounce terrorism? To recognize Israel as the Jewish state that it is? No, apparently it is. Is it really too much to ask the Palestinians to demilitarize the Gaza Strip? Where so many terrorist organizations are based? Influenced by Iran and Hezbollah, supporting Hamas and among others. Is that really a road too far, ladies and gentlemen? A bridge too far? If they can't even do that, then how can you have peace with such an entity? You can't. And while the media continue to call this president a bigot, an anti-Semite, which is so, such a sickening, unconscionable lie. Where was his attorney general today? And what did his attorney general have to say today? Attorney General William Barr. One of the great attorneys general. No question about it. He was talking to a group of Jewish leaders. And here's what he said today. Cut a go. I'm extremely distressed by the uh, upsurge in, in violence, hate, hate crimes committed against uh, the Jewish community. Uh, and we've seen a, a marked increase uh, of this uh, violence and discriminatory, the whole range of discriminatory practices uh, up to and including violent acts. We're seeing it around the country. And I think uh, it's appropriate to meet today, the day after the 75th anniversary of, of the liberation of Auschwitz and the uh, International Holocaust Remembrance Day, to uh, really commit that this department, this administration, is going to have zero tolerance for uh, these kinds of uh, this kind of violence. Fantastic. But we have a mayor in New York, and we have administrators on these college campuses that are more in line with Talib and Omar and Ayak. While the president was talking about peace in the Middle East, while his attorney general was condemning anti-Semitism, what was Chuck Schumer doing today at his press conference? The senior senator from New York, where so much of this anti-Semitism is occurring, the senior senator of New York, where so many of America's Jews live, supporters of Israel, I think. What was Chuck Schumer doing today? Cut 10, go. Now, just look at the other New York Times report last night about Ambassador Bolton's book. Several members of the... Now, this is ironic. Calls him Ambassador Bolton. You all understand. He was the acting ambassador from the United States to the UN because the Democrats blocked him. But now he's Ambassador Bolton. Go ahead. ...had concerns about the president's dealings with autocrats particularly Xi of China and Erdogan of Turkey. Did the president have financial interests at stake when he was talking to Erdogan 
Orban, Xi, and well, others. Let's, let's stop. You see, folks, this is why Romney, Collins, and Murkowski are so diabolically stupid. You think Chuck Schumer is going to stop with Ukraine? I don't know. We got to look into China and Turkey. Whether he had financial interests in that, they want to turn the Senate into the House. And yet the Republicans have at least a putative majority. This is what's going to happen. This is exactly what's going to happen. Continue, please. Maybe his kids had some economic interest at stake. Oh, his kids may have had some economic. Now he's concerned. Not about Hunter Biden. Which appears that Hunter Biden got $3 million. Listen to Pam Bondi. $3 million. It ties to a corrupt Ukrainian business. $3 million. You have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to see corruption here. This is exactly why the Democrats are fighting so hard against Trump. Trying to protect Biden. Is it, Hunter Biden's not a material witness. Hunter Biden's not a material witness. And yet they say, look at that. He tried to interfere in the election by raising Hunter Biden. All right, let's take a look at Hunter Biden. No, we can't do that. We can't do that. The Democrats don't want witnesses. They just want their witnesses. They want to control all the witnesses. And notice Romney, Collins, and Murkowski have never asked for Hunter Biden. Not once. They've never asked for the so-called whistleblower, the CIA operative. Not once. They've never asked for material witness, Adam Schiff. Not once. What's with that? I'll be right back. Lovin. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on hearing that, in addition to Romney, Collins, and Murkowski, Portman, Cassidy, Alexander, and Toomey are leaning towards witnesses. Any of these are your senators, you might want to hustle. In addition to Romney, Collins, and Murkowski, others considering supporting witnesses, this is absolutely shocking. Portman, Cassidy, Alexander and Toomey. And I will post their names shortly. Computer systems from cars are the new normal. From electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors. But all this advanced tech is expensive to fix if and when it breaks. And that's why I have CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. You get to choose your plan and your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. CarShield has helped over 1 million customers. So drive with confidence knowing you got coverage from America's number one auto protection provider. And we have this coverage, as you know, on our 2010 Camaro. Whether you have 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles on your vehicle, it's inevitable something will break. Get covered by CarShield today. Call 800-CAR-6000. 800-CAR-6000. Mention code LEVIN. 
Get 10% off or visit carshield.com. That's carshield.com. Use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, and save 10%. That's carshield.com, code LEVIN, or 800-CAR-6000, code LEVIN. A deductible may apply. So as I say, I'm hearing that in addition to Romney, Collins, and Murkowski, others considering supporting witnesses include Alexander of Tennessee, Portman of Ohio, Cassidy. Where the hell is he from? I think he's from Oklahoma, isn't he? Or Louisiana. He's obviously such a standout. And Toomey of Pennsylvania. If these are any of your senators, you might want to politely but quickly let your voices be heard. Louisiana. And you might also... You might also want to seriously consider if they're going to vote with the Democrats, with Schumer, with Schiff, with Pelosi, and all the anti-constitutionalists, you might consider supporting their opponent in the Republican primary. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811. All right, we're going to check in briefly or maybe not, briefly, with the president who is speaking right now in Wildwood, New Jersey. Go! By far, not even close. We have provided health insurance options 60% cheaper than Obamacare. And we have historic investments in treating kidney disease, HIV, pediatric cancer, and Alzheimer's disease. We're making so much progress. And we have just passed a thing that I think is great. I never understood. For 45 years, they've been trying to get it passed. We've just passed a thing called Right to Try. You know what that is? So we have the greatest doctors, the greatest technicians, the greatest labs in the world. And we'll have a drug that's looking good, but it's going to take five more years. And by the way, we brought the timing way down from 12 years to half of that. But it takes years to get it approved. You have people that are terminally ill. If they have money, they go to Asia, they go to Europe, they go all over the world looking for help. If they don't have money, they go home and they die. And what we did is a thing called right to try. People sign something and they don't hold the country responsible. They don't hold the drug company responsible. It's called Right to Try. And they get the newest and the best and the latest medicine where it's looking good, but you're not going to have it for five more years. And you know why they didn't do it? Because they didn't want to hurt anybody, except the problem is the people were going to die soon. I said, they're terminally ill. Let them have it. We sat down with a great group of leaders, Republican leaders, And honestly, we had some bipartisan support, and we got it done. They've been trying to do it for 45 or so years. We got it done. 
And you have to see the results. And I've seen some of the results. Some of the results are incredible. And we've transformed veterans' health care, including through VA Choice, right? VA Choice. For 48 years, they've been trying to get veterans' choice. I thought I had the greatest secret. You know, I haven't been doing this that long. So four years ago, I'm campaigning for president. Everyone said, no, he's only having fun. He's only you know, some fun. This is a lot of fun, right? <laughs> but for 45 years, they've been trying to get it. Veterans' choice. So I come back one day, I say to my people, I have the greatest idea. I am so smart. I am like the smart. I have an idea because the veterans are waiting online. They're waiting online for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, ten weeks. Some are okay, and they end up being terminally ill by the time they see their doctors too long. And I said, folks, I have the greatest idea. All of my people, I say, I have the greatest idea. I'm so smart. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to send all those people that can't see a doctor. We just can't get them to see a doctor. We're going to send them down the road to private doctors, and we're going to pay the bill, and they're going to get fixed up. Right? So smart. But you see, I said I was smart, and they looked back at me, and they said, Sir, we've known about that concept for 45 years. We just can't get it approved. But I got it approved, and I got it approved about 11 months ago. And the VA is doing fantastically well. Our veterans are doing great. That was a big thing. That was a big thing. We also got accountability, where people could mistreat our veterans, do whatever they want, they could be sadistic. They could be so many other things. They could steal. They could rob. You couldn't do anything. You'd keep them. You couldn't do a thing. We got accountability. Now you look at them and you say, get the hell out of here. You're fired. You're fired. Now you can fire. They've let go of more than 8,000 bad people. We have reduced opioid deaths for the first time and very substantially, in 30 years. And we are modernizing critical vaccines. We're doing a great job with vaccines. We are creating a pathway to buy drugs from Canada that are much, much cheaper in Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis came to me. He said, sir, this system is so bad, and you can't fix it unless you have Democrat votes. That's why you got to vote the House. You got to get us back the House. They say, sir, we can buy the drugs in Canada for 50% less, the same drug made in the same factory, made by the same company. 50%, and we can give the benefit for the people that live in Florida or Colorado or New Jersey or wherever you want. And no president, this has been going on for a long time, no president has wanted to do it. You know how long it took me to make that decision? I said, if you can save 50% or 25% or 15%, buy it, do it, go. And I gave him authorization. Do it. And we are protecting Medicare for our nation's seniors. Democrats want, and you know this, Democrats want to raid Medicare to fund benefits for illegal immigrants. And you know, we all have a heart. But when you, we all have a heart. But when you tell people to come into our country, like this clown governor of California, come into our country, come, they're all going to come. 
If they think they're going to get free education, free health care, they're all going to come. If you don't say it, they're not going to come because they wouldn't even think who would even think this. Virtually every top Democrat also now supports late-term abortion, ripping babies straight from the mother's womb right up until the All moment right, of birth. We will, uh, we will check back in in a moment. We will check back in, back and forth as we monitor this. I want you to hear a little bit from Jay Sekulow today. This is history. And uh, actually, I think the way I want to do this, there's just too many audio sound bites here. I think the way we want to hear this is Pat Cipollone today, who is the White House counsel. He has done a fantastic job as as Sekulow, as they all have. And I saw Alan Dershowitz today at the White House, and I thanked him. It's very lonely for him. You need to understand. He's used to being around a whole bunch of liberals in Martha's Vineyard and Florida and so forth and so on. They hate his guts now. So his whole support system and social system, in so many respects, has crumbled. Now they're trying to destroy him. Now, I don't agree with Dershowitz and many of his political views, but that's not the point, is it? His position on the Constitution has been outstanding, and he's under heavy fire. Happened to share his position. That happens to be my position for the longest time. But it's the right position. But Cipollone has served the president well as White House counsel. Let's listen. Today, cut 17, go. We're asking you to do is to throw out a successful president on the eve of an election with no basis and in violation of the Constitution. It would dangerously change our country and weaken, weaken forever all of our democratic institutions. You all know that's not in the interest of the American people. Why not trust the American people with this decision? Why tear up their ballots? Why tear up every ballot across this country? You can't do that. You know you can't do that. So I ask you to defend our Constitution, to defend fundamental fairness, to defend basic due process rights, but most importantly, most importantly, to respect and defend the sacred right of every American to vote and to choose their president. The election is only months away. The American people are entitled to choose their president. Overturning the last election and massively interfering with the upcoming one would cause serious and lasting damage to the people of the United States and to our great country. The Senate cannot allow this to happen. It is time for this to end here and now. Mm-hmm. Beautifully put. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, a little bit of inside baseball, but it's thanks to you. This past Sunday, there was no football, Mr. Producer, was there? 
Now, normally my show, the new time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, runs right into the teeth of playoff football. And yet, we are the powerhouse program on Sunday night on cable, pretty much, but certainly uh, news cable, news talk. This Sunday night at 8 p.m., we're 2.366 million viewers. Almost 2.4, but 2.366 million viewers, total viewers. As I look, it was the highest of the entire day, Mr. Producer. And clearly then the highest of the night. We wiped out CNN. We wiped out MSNBC. Wiped them out. Now, if I don't tell you this, nobody else will tell you this. But this is because of you. You want intelligent television. You want a smart one hour of programming, something different. That is the highest number we have gotten on Levin TV yet. And of course, I opened the program for two segments. And so about the first 20 minutes of the full hour was me speaking to this impeachment issue. And our wonderful guest, Peter Schweitzer, in his magnificent new book, Profiles in Corruption. So I want to thank you, and I am committed to continuing to do the very best I can. We will not be on this Sunday. You might know that this Sunday it's the Super Bowl. And since I'll be watching the Super Bowl too, I said, what's the point? And we do that every year on Sunday. So 2.366 million at 8 p.m. Sunday night, unheard of. A 2.2 share, as they say. I could tell you more, but I don't want to get in trouble. That is a big deal. Total viewers, as best as I can read these, these charts, I think we were the highest all day Sunday. So that's pretty, pretty damn good. And uh, I believe it'll continue to grow. Sunday football will be behind us. And I love football, so I'm not exactly thrilled about that. <clears throat> but I wanted to thank you. I wanted to point that out to you. Don Lemon is one of the most preposterous, buffoonish, amateurish clowns on TV, which is why they like him over there at CNN at 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. And he's on with this guy, Rick Wilson, who comes pretty close to looking like Joe Scarborough, and they both come very close to looking like the banjo-playing inbred kid on the bridge in Deliverance. Maybe they were both in Deliverance. And some guy by the name of Wajahat Ali. Wajahat Ali. And you need to listen to this. Hat tip, right scoop, cut 20, go. Pompeo's statement says, it is worth noting that Bangladesh is not Ukraine. First of all, Kelly has a massive. So they're degree. coming to the defense of this left-wing jerk that works for NPR. That Brent Bozell and Newsbusters has told us is a well-known leftist. A well-known leftist dressed up as a journalist. And she tried to set up Pompeo. So let's start from the top. Cut 20, go. Pompeo's statement says, it is worth noting that Bangladesh is not Ukraine. First of all, 
Kelly has a master's degree in European studies from Cambridge University. So what? Doesn't she know Ukraine from Bangladesh? Who cares if she has a master's degree? Go ahead. And by the way, what kind of degree do you have, Don? You don't have any master's degree. What does that mean? You're an idiot? Well, you're an idiot with any degree. Go ahead. Also, he doesn't really say that she couldn't identify Ukraine on a map. He insinuates it's just a pet, it, it, it's just a petty attempt to put her down, right? Do, do, is that what this is? You know, it's amazing how they circle the wagons around each other. And yet daily, daily, trash Fox News. And then they pretend they're defending the press. Go ahead. Of course, it, it, it's it's a it's he's just trying to demean her, and it, obviously it's false. And look, he also knows deep in his heart that Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane <laughs> next to it. He knows that this is you know an an administration defined by ignorance of the world, and so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience. Uh, you know, the, the the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump. Um, that, that wants to think that, that now, you that, folks, you need to understand this is the way they think of you. Hey, jackass, I'll compare my resume to yours, I'll compare my IQ to yours, and I'll compare my accomplishments to yours. You, you are nothing but a retrograde failed consultant. You're a punk, you're a moron. Go ahead. It's a smart one in there. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all elitists are dumb. <laughs> you, you elitists with your geography and your maps and your spelling. This is Wajahat Ali. Go ahead. Even though my your math and your reading. Yeah, you're reading, you know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your latte. <laughs> All those lines on the map. <laughs> Only them elitists know where Ukraine is. Sorry, I apologize. But by, but by the way, Ukraine, oh my god! But, but you know what? But, but it was Rick's fault. I blame Rick. Oh but, you know, but, but in all honesty, but all, blame you know Rick. NPR should Why do? not? Sorry, hold on. You, wait, wait. Can I yeah, tell give you me a second. You, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. That was good. Sorry, Rick. You, that you, was a good one. I needed that. You needed what, you idiot? Honestly, Mister, was there anything funny there? You know, you can trash certain people and have a good laugh. You can pretend to imitate certain people, no problem. Certain people you can't trash and imitate, you'll be thrown off the air. Can anybody think of one intelligent or profound thing this guy Rick Wilson has ever said? No. Do any of you even know who Rick Wilson is? No. And Rick, you are the lowest of the low lives. You really are. You're doing your dancing routine on CNN. It's the only place that'll look at it. Really. And you ought to look in the mirror. Really. You look like that kid on the bridge. You and Scarborough and Deliverance. This is CNN. This is the quality of broadcasting that exists at CNN. This clown, Fredo Cuomo, Jake Fake Tapper... Wolf, is he still alive, Blitzer? Now go down the line of low IQ, moronic, pathetic leftists. I'll be right back.
The Mark Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. There are a lot of great conservative organizations out there doing some incredible work. But I want to take a minute to talk to you about the MRC, or as I like to call them, America's Media Watchdog. When you think of the MRC, you should think of one thing, truth. For over 30 years, the Media Research Center has had one mission, to provide reliable, fact-driven information about the media, because the American people deserve the truth. Unfortunately, we don't get the truth from the media today. In fact, just look at their shameful coverage of impeachment. The impeachment cheerleaders in the media will do anything to take down our president. If you think about it, they're the ones that started pushing the impeachment within hours of his inauguration. That's why the work of MRC is so important. They're the tip of the spear in the fight for truth in journalism. And they provide ammunition for all of us who are fighting this battle. Learn more about the MRC at mrclevin.org, mrclevin.org. If you care about this country, and I know you do. If you care about the truth, I know you do. You should get to know the MRC. Go to mrclevin.org to learn more. That's mrclevin.org. Michael Pack is director of a great new documentary on Clarence Thomas called Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in his own words. Now, this is going to be playing in theaters nationwide starting Friday. Michael Pack, how are you, sir? I'm well. Thank you for having me on, Mark. Oh, it's my pleasure. First of all, if people want to know what theaters this movie's playing in, where do they go? they got to go to our website, justicethomasmovie.com. And there's a full list of theaters. If there doesn't happen to be one in your area, you can sign up. And if there are enough of you, we can make a special event. But it's in 21 theaters, including New York, L.A., D.C., Chicago, Dallas, Houston. And I appeal to your listeners to go. I mean, the, the, the left does a way better job of showing up for their films and filmmakers, but, but we can too. And if you have a good presence this weekend, it'll open up in more theaters. Isn't that true? That is true. The opening weekend is crucial. Those first three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So you got to so, go to justicethomasmovie.com, find out where it is, and go. Mr. Producer, make sure we have that on our websites and our social yeah. sites. All right, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I have been a huge fan of Clarence Thomas since day one and his beautiful wife. Yeah. He's, he's turned out to be one of the most brilliant justices we've ever had. But I want to focus in here, because I remember what took place then, and I was somewhat involved in it. Let me ask you this. Joe Biden, lunch bucket Joe, how did he treat Clarence Thomas? He treated him poorly, and you can see it in the film. He, we have a, a long exchange where he tries to, where he gets lost in the intricacies of natural law, political philosophy, in an attempt to get Justice Thomas to say something about abortion and Roe, which Justice Thomas does not. He treated him badly. He apologized to Anita Hill, but he has not apologized to Clarence Thomas, which would be a good idea, but don't hold your breath. And he he was really the second after Bork, but even worse in some ways, the second uh, uh, nominee to really be brutalized, wasn't he? That is right. I mean, I think it went to a new level with Thomas. I mean, Bork, you know, they... Um, you know, once Justice Thomas learned from Bork not to engage in deep philosophical discussions, be tricked into that by senators. But 
When that did not work, then they trotted out the Anita Hill um, scandal, the Anita Hill charges of sexual harassment, and that ushered in a second phase of the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee hearings. They had already concluded and voted, but the um, Anita Hill leak forced them to start again. And in our film, you hear this, you hear how Justice Thomas and his wife experienced it. It's not an analysis, it's what they went through. The whole film, it's called Clarence Thomas in his own words because it's based on a long interview. I spoke to him and his wife for over 30 hours, a huge amount of access, and they told, he told his whole life story, and we want him to look right at the camera, right at the viewer, and tell them exactly what happened, what he experienced right from the beginning, from his birth in the Deep South, in the segregated South, in dire poverty, in the, in the back and forth of his complicated life, which I know you know well, Mark, you know, up through the, the confirmation battle and on to the Supreme Court. An emotional but an inspiring story. I want to strongly encourage you folks to see this movie, Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in his own words. I understand there's Super Bowl Sunday, but there's Friday night, or fr- Saturday, Sunday, you know, around the Super Bowl. And it's very important. I guarantee you I'm going to be there. Now, 30 hours you interviewed him. Did your opinion of Clarence Thomas and his wife change in any way after 30 hours? The thing that you get... I got from 30 hours, and I hope I distilled it to the two hours of the film, is a sense of the man and his character. I was really moved by his resilience, how he comes back again and again from setbacks and how he won't define himself as a victim. And and his story of being raised by his grandfather, his, his being given this sort of strong faith and values, losing this, becoming a radical, and then coming back to his grandfather's values and becoming a conservative – it's an inspiring story, and I think it will inspire listeners of all political persuasions. Were you – when you interviewed him, 30 hours, it's, mm. hard, it's hard to figure out what to keep in the, in the documentary and what to cut, right? Uh, it was really hard. It, it took us a year to edit the documentary, and I think there are great things on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it was hard, and we narrowed it down to eight hours and gradually down to two it's hard. It's a very complicated life. As you know, he's a, he has, um, he's a complicated man with a lot to say, and it was hard to get it down to two hours. But it's a very moving two hours. People laugh and cry when they watch it. It's not, it's not dry in the least. I saw the trailer online. It is compelling. I mean, it really does draw you in. Let me, let me ask you this. Any, well, let's do it this way. Has NBC given you any attention? No. CBS? No. ABC? No. CNN? No. MSNBC? No. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there's a tendency to sort of try to ignore these kinds of films and have them go away. I mean, the, um, they would rather not tell the Clarence Thomas story. And they would, look, I, I, the premise of documentaries is it's worth hearing from people you even don't agree with, and hearing what they think. And this is a chance to hear an important person, whatever you think of him, express his views and tell his life story. Everyone should welcome it. I mean, I think it's basic sort of American ideal. Listen to everybody. But as you know, there are a lot of people who would simply prefer to ignore people whose views uh, are inconvenient. As Justice Thomas says in the movie, he was the wrong kind of black man, and that mm-hmm. was true from when he emerged on the scene in the Reagan administration 
up through the hearings and up to today. And so that is why they're ignoring it. And if they don't ignore it, they will not say nice things about it. And isn't that true? I mean, he breaks the stereotype ideologically and in terms of party. And uh, he really does embrace natural law and the Declaration of Independence and the principles set forth there and Montesquieu and Locke and all these things, which is very foreign to the left. And so rather than engage, they attack. That's right. I mean, that, that is very true. I mean, we called it created equal because of his commitment to the Declaration, natural law, and, and, it's, uh, and, and it, which underpins the Constitution, his commitment to that, too. Yes, they'd rather not engage. I mean, that, that, that is where we are. And it's not hard to watch the documentary and engage, just as Thomas lays it out very clearly and simply. I think, Mark, it's inconvenient that his life story is actually inspiring. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's a counter-narrative. It's a counter-narrative to the 1619 Project, to reparations, to Black Lives Matter. He chooses not to see himself as a victim. He chooses to see somebody whose life... He sees himself as someone whose life was blessed. Blessed to be raised by his grandfather, blessed to be raised by the nuns. It's another way of looking at your life. I mean, that is why beyond being in the theater or, or streaming or whatever, we want to get it into schools, for, or, or at least excerpts from it and curriculum materials every February during Black History Month as a counter-narrative to the other things that are being told during that time. So I think it's an important story, and it is one that has been ignored. I mean, just as he was not initially in the uh, African American History Museum, and even now has minimized it. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you what you've done here, Michael Pack. You've created history in a legacy form. And let me tell you what I mean by that. When societies are in trouble or when they collapse, future historians look back and they say, well, what happened? What exactly happened? Clarence Thomas, in his writings, in his opinions, is creating history and history for the future to look back on what's taken place in the society. His opinions, I, I'm telling you this, I'm like are almost like poetry. They are absolutely brilliant. They are absolutely principled. He's the second African-American ever to serve on the Supreme Court. And he is hugely respected by conservatives and by the left. For this very reason, he's hated. Mm. They've They've never forgiven him for hanging in there and getting confirmed. And people don't forget, he got confirmed by the skin of his teeth, didn't he, Mr. Peck? I believe it was um, 52 to 48. 48. Very close. And in your trailer, you show where he says, I would rather die than withdraw. Correct? Something to that effect? That is right. I mean, by the time the uh, Anita Hill charges were there, he was no longer about serving on the court. He felt he needed to save his reputation. And he gave that tough talk and culminating... In the famous high-tech lynching speech, against the advice of his handlers, who said, "You don't speak that way to U.S. senators." But it was beyond that. I mean, and and he and his wife talk about how the fight by this point had become a spiritual battle for them, and was about more than the court. That that's exactly right, Mark. Well, I want to thank you, <clears throat> excuse me, for what you've done. I'm, I want all you Levinites out there, really, to take the time to see this movie. Go go where again, uh, Michael? JusticeThomasMovie.com, JusticeThomasMovie.com. The theaters are listed, and if it's not, if there's not one in your area, there's a place to sign up. But it is in New York, L.A., D.C., Chicago, Dallas, Houston, um, 
lots of places. So those in that you have a big listenership. I hope they come out. I mean, RBG was turned into a hit because her fans showed up. On mm-hmm. the right, people often do not show up. They decry their, their things. They they decry the left's ownership of culture, but the left owns it because it shows up and cares. We can do the same. And you you make an excellent point. I mean, you spent part of your life and <clears throat> resources are invested in this sort of thing. And and it's not going to keep happening if people don't really participate in this. That is very true. And and I do not believe it should only be conservatives that go. I think his story is inspiring to, for everybody. It's a classic American story, a, a, a great Horatio Alger story. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's true. His views will challenge those that don't agree with him. But I think that's supposed to be something people want. Right. So That used so to be. It used to be. But I surely... You know, people who are inclined to like them, they've got to show up. I mean, they ha- they have to be there for it rather than just say, well, there's just not enough good stuff out there. There's not enough good stuff out there if you don't show up and actually buy tickets. As the distributor likes to say, it's all about butts and seats. Yep. Not a- all right, Michael Pack, I want to thank you. Director of Created Equal, Clarence Thomas, in his own words, I'll be there. Levinites, I hope you'll check it out Friday, Saturday, Sunday. God bless you and be well, sir. Thank you, Mark. All right, take care. I'm quite serious. This is a fascinating man. He has a fascinating wife, a fascinating life. And it runs absolutely counter to all the propaganda you read and see about him and, quite frankly, about African Americans. We'll be right back. I'm going to demonstrate to you here at the end of the program soon that Brian Helter Stelter, B.S. Helter Stelter, is in heat for Fox News. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. These four pillars are purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined uh, Hillsdale's mission since 1844. Now, I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught how our government works and the importance of the Constitution. That's what they need to know. And at Hillsdale, they will. They must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest, Imprimus, and the classical K-12 charter schools, it is helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. What a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Here is a montage put together by a great organization called Gravian, of this guy, Brian Stelter. And I'll tell you what's funny. I was hoping somebody would put something together, a count on how many times this guy mentions Fox News. You understand, he's involved with HBO in producing a uh, film, in his case, they jokingly called a documentary, on Fox. And so basically he uses his, his barely carbon footprint, no ratings program 
reliable sources. Isn't that pretty funny? That's like calling something media matters or mediaite. Anyway, he uses his his barely TV show on CNN to really create a script for a movie he's doing. That's what a sleazeball this guy is. He's not really doing news. But here, in part, it's not even full. Just part of what Brian Stelter says, and by the way, talks about free press. They want Fox to go away. They don't believe in a free press. They believe in a Democrat party, social activists, progressive, radical progressive press. That's it. Cut 21, go. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter. Welcome to Reliable Sources. This hour, as the impeachment trial goes on, brand new polling from Fox News, plus Fox, Fox's Mark Levin, Fox News, the Fox Effect, Fox News, Fox News Channel, Fox's, Fox's, from Fox, the Fox sure. Firewalls, the Fox Audience, and Fox News, yeah. but then Fox, Fox News, Fox, Fox News, Fox News, Fox News, Fox News, Fox News, live on Fox, for FoxNews.com, uh, Fox News, Fox Stars, and Fox News. I wanted to ask you about a brand new Fox News poll. We will see you back here on the program this time. Mm-hmm. Another funny thing they do, very clever of them, because they're good little Stalinists. Fox News is Mark Levin. Why not say Westwood One's Mark Levin, since they're my syndicator? Or The Blaze TV's Mark Levin? Or Simon & Schuster's Mark Levin? Or how about just Mark Levin? But they put Fox's or Fox News's Mark Levin. Why? Because they want to attack Fox. Now when I post something about National Pubic Radio, NPR, a left-wing, government-sanctioned, tax-exempt, useless media outlet, part of the mothership that gets half a billion dollars a year, that's coming from my mouth. Not corporate Fox. Not Rupert Murdoch. Not Suzanne Scott. Not from anybody at Fox. I'm saying it. No, no, no. It's Fox's Mark Levin. I do a one-hour show for Fox. I do a 15-hour show, 15 hours of show every week for Westwood One. I do multiple hours a week for Blaze TV. I spend months writing books with my publish- for my publishers. But it's Fox News' Mark Levin attacking NPR. You can't attack NPR. No, 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 no. God forbid. All right, ladies and gentlemen. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and all you heroes out there who protect us. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful evening. And I'll see you tomorrow right here. God bless you.